This is Discussions on the Firewater Network, where we talk to those crafting the future of the spirits industry. And now, here's your host. This is Zachary Farley. I'm here today with David Krako and Zachary Bruner of the Industry City Distillery in Brooklyn, New York. Thank you guys so much for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys. So, as we get started, I'm just looking around. This is such a unique space that you have here in uh, Sunset Park in Brooklyn. Tell me about the space we're in. There's so much more here than just still and three fermenters and a bottling machine. Uh, I, I think I've seen some pretty heavy machinery in the back, and uh, you're here in an amazing warehouse space. Uh, so tell me about Industry City Distillery. Uh, what, what is all of this? What are you building here? I mean, you're pretty kind to call that a bottling machine. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so it becomes readily apparent to most people that come through that we don't make just alcohol here. That, I mean, at, at the very bare bones of what we do, we make the machines that make the alcohol. Okay. But truthfully, we also invent the processes that determine the machines that make the alcohol. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the alcohol is uh, tertiary to the first two things. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's we make the machines that were determined by a certain amount of processes mm-hmm. that just simply didn't exist, so we had to build them. Okay, so I mean, definitely let, let's get into that process. But uh, before we do, uh, after you make the machines, after you make the processes, what do you actually make here? So, what is Industry City uh, from an alcohol perspective? What, what 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 products do we have? I know we have your still running right now, or what looks like I think a still is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have photos up and everything, so people can see what I'm talking yeah. about. It, uh, it so tell me about your products a little bit. What, what what do you guys make here at Industry City? Well, we are running a still. It's actually. Potentially the smallest still uh, in production in any distillery in the states. We've got about a fifteen-gallon boiler. What? And <laughs> fifteen-gallon. <laughs> so that's why you guys make what three bottles a, a year? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it sometimes. But we make a beet sugar vodka called Industry Standard Vodka, and we also make a high-proof neutral spirit called Technical Reserve. And okay. Wow. So when you say high-proof. What do you mean by high proof? We mean literally the highest proof made in America. Really? Yeah. So it's 191.2 proof. Oh, my God. And it's we didn't make it specifically to be high proof. Mm-hmm. We made it specifically to be entirely neutral. Okay. Uh, there really isn't anything else on the market like it right now. Really? Okay. Yeah. And what what was kind of your aim in making something so high so, proof? Uh, what, what kind of went into that? Um, you wanted to make college priorities even <laughs> worse? Or, um, I mean... That, that wasn't the goal, but I'm sure it's going to get co-opted in many different ways. Yeah, because so I mean, because I'm just looking at it. It's a, it's a clear spirit. It looks much like your your standard vodka does yeah. too, which is, I assume is what what is the proof of your vodka just for comparison? Just eighty proof. Okay. Yeah, it's typical eighty proof. The purpose of making technical reserve was to create a absolutely neutral base for other people to work with. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interest right now in bitters and tinctures and. Especially in the craft cocktail scene, sure. making your own ingredients to use in your cocktails. Mm-hmm. But there's also a great tradition of making limoncello and making all these things like slivovitz. And right. So why would you go and buy sixty dollars worth of gorgeous, perfectly ripe lemons and then pour Everclear over it? Because <laughs> do that's that. what's available. <laughs> <Don't> do <that. laughs> so technical reserve is 191.2 proof out of necessity. Okay. The stills that we build are very specific in that they're able to reach what's called the azotrope of ethanol. And very simply, it's the point at which you cannot you cannot separate the alcohol any further. I see. So technical reserve is the highest proof alcohol made in America, mm-hmm. but it's also physically the highest proof alcohol you can make. Period. Period. Okay. And the reason for that is that when you hit that azotrope, all the other chemicals start, sort of fall away. Mm-hmm. And we bottle it exactly as a strength off the still. Really? So no. there's no extra water. There's no filtering stages mm-hmm. because they're actually just not necessary. It's pure alcohol. Right. As pure as it can be. Also, it's um, I come from an art background. Mm-hmm. And trying to get good so, alcohol for projects was very difficult. Really? Yeah. Uh, for your for your art projects, then um, I was doing uh, you... wet plate photography. Oh, you were doing wet plate photography. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it was one of the hardest things was to secure alcohol that didn't suck. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> for yeah. the wet plates. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the most common thing to use is Everclear, mm-hmm. and it would destroy your plates. Would it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you would actually get the 
you you would get the core syllabus and step one would be go to a liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is all on my yeah. own. I didn't, oh, I, I didn't, see. I okay. didn't learn it in school. Wow. But it was, it's, I mean, we created technical reserve for making tinctures and bitters and craft cocktails okay. for consumption. So it's, it's ability then to uh, absorb flavors from, uh, from tinctures is, is unrivaled, probably. Absolutely just, unrivaled. Yeah. Uh, and, and it lends no flavor itself to whatever you're, you're extracting. Precisely the idea. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know right away when you're buying a cheap bottle of vodka mm-hmm. or you open up a bottle of, of, of uh, Everclear. Yeah. And it smells like rubbing alcohol. Right. That's because humans are really great at recognizing things that they're familiar with and calling them out. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying smell- I shouldn't drink the thing that smells like uh, rubbing because alcohol? Because there's, there's rubbing alcohol okay. in it. It's, <laughs> Literally, uh, yeah, there's rubbing yeah, alcohol. There, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of percentage points of isopropanol mm-hmm. in that material, and that's why you know it as rubbing alcohol, wow. because you're familiar with it intimately. Yeah. So we don't have that. Wow. You can, can choose to drink it if you want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it becomes a personal choice <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you guys are clearly, obviously, you're, you're dedicated to getting purity and highest grade and highest quality. And and, and, I, and from what I've learned off the air, that starts at the machinery that you use and, sure. and even just from how your process begins. So can, can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? You know, where does your yeast come from? Right. <laughs> so right. I assume you're not just going to go and take any yeast that's floating in the air, or you're not going to just go to any store and buy, you know, a packet of yeast, or yeah. like a home brewer might. We um, actually, we couldn't. Yeah. Uh, it was impossible for us. We use a very unique form of fermentation. We use what's called an immobilized cell bioreactor system. And, and for those who may not know what that <laughs> is, <laughs> I mean, not me, but uh, a listener maybe. Who I mean, in a, in a nutshell, what we do is we take yeast cells. We grow them here. Oh, wow. And I'll, I'll talk about that. And we, instead of having these sort of free-floating yeast in a big fermenter vessel, capture all these yeast using a centrifuge. We immobilize them in a matrix of alginate. And you may have had like molecular astronomy cuisine or spherized anything. Mm-hmm. That all came from biotech. Okay. And what we did is we immobilize our yeast cells in this matrix. It allows us to pack a huge amount of yeast cells into a very small area. And then instead of them sort of sitting in a tank, we have a system that the wort or the mash flows through these bioreactors uh, and okay. reacts with the reacts with the yeast in a way that's much faster, but yeah. also very controlled. Because everything's constantly in motion. There's no dead spots. Mm-hmm. There's no... Our heating and cooling is much easier. Really? We're able to keep everything at a very even temperature, a very even pH. Mm-hmm. But it all started with the yeast. Wow. Yeah. We went through six different strains before we decided on this one. Okay. Ironically, it's a sugar beet yeast. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. How did you find out? How did you decide on that? We we went through everything from your typical sort of distiller's yeasts, mm-hmm. um, which are very cheap and easy to find. Yeah, like a turbo dog <laughs> or something that you can get. <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we played with some champagne yeast. We played with mm-hmm. some uh, red wine yeasts. And all yeasts have different nutrient requirements. And if they're not met, they are basically unhappy. Yeah, okay. And unhappy yeast make really shitty tasting mash. Mm-hmm. And a shitty tasting mash leads to shitty tasting vodka. Yeah, and, uh, yes. yeah. Or, <laughs> or requires more energy to make it not shitty okay. tasting anymore. To run it through the still a few more times to get rid of it. Uh, or you have to, yeah, or you have to make mm-hmm. a bigger still. Or in our yeah. case, we only distill once. And okay. It's, uh, well, we'll get to we'll that. We'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to, hold on, hold on. We're still talking about yeast here. We're yeah. still talking about yeast. So in the case of, of our vodka, we actually created Technical Reserve as a direct foil to the vodka. So our technical okay. reserve tastes like nothing, mm-hmm. and the vodka tastes like everything. <laughs> right, it's so, such a sweet vodka, or such a, yeah. I don't even know what words to say about it, yeah. It's, uh, but it well, does have flavor to it. It has a yeah. lot of flavor to it. Right. And um, the genre of vodka is, is fairly loose and also fairly rigid. Hmm. Uh, it must be distilled over 190 proof. And this is something that often gets confused, is that a lot of people think that it has to be odorless and tasteless, Really, it just can't taste like its source material. Okay. So you can't have a vodka that tastes like potatoes. That's not a vodka. That's not a vodka. You can't have a vodka that's like, oh, it tastes like the softest winter wheat that you've ever had. (laughs) Not a vodka. You have like a wheat liqueur at that point. Yeah. If it has that flavor, it it falls into a different category. Exactly. So we decided to make a true-to-form vodka that had flavor. Mm-hmm. And that's really going to be difficult now. Hmm. Now, you can't use the source material to flavor the vodka. Right. 
So we decided to do it entirely biologically. Interesting. So we we found this yeast that we loved, and we love it because of its ester profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feed it in a certain way, you keep it at a certain temperature, and it will express these very small amounts of chemicals in the parts per million, parts per billion range. Mm-hmm. That determines the entire taste, the entire texture. So then the idea was to create that as, as efficiently as possible mm-hmm. uh, at that quality, distill it as efficiently as possible, and not just in terms of time and energy, but also to retain all of that flavor. Interesting. And then the final step, and this is really where, where it starts to get ridiculous, okay. if it isn't ridiculous <laughs> yeah, enough no. already, we don't do a heads, hearts, and tails distillation. Hmm. We do a 30-cut fractional system that oh we then taste all the fractions and selectively blend them back together. For each run that you do? For every you... single run. Really? Every single run. Wow. And so how do you make those decisions then? How do you know when to take cut 27 <laughs> versus cut 28? Physics. We don't have a guy with some sort of a lockbox standing at the still going, okay, now, <laughs> okay, now. We set a timer, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like making a movie. You shoot okay. the whole movie, yep. and when shooting's done, you go to the editing room, and you throw up all the reels, and you go, okay, we're going to cut scene one. That sucked. Okay. We're going to go through and keep all the other scenes, and ooh, scene 15, nix it. Except uh, you guys don't have any CGI here. Or anything. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all real. What's going Motion into your effects. bottle? Yeah, yeah we've, got, we've got two guys. We've got an yeah. engineer and machinist and a cat. So, but okay. it does. Is, is the cat the PhD then, or who? So you you were a wet play photographer, David yeah. Zach. Were you? Are you a PhD in bio? No, <laughs> or bio uh, uh, studied, studied studied set design. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. So and machining those... and fabrication after that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I so make machines. So which of those is yeast propagation? Where, who, how did you guys come into uh, going so deep into it then? Where, where did you learn all of that from? That's Dave and pretty much on-the-job learning of a pretty high order. Really? Okay. Giant pain in the ass. Giant, <laughs> Giant pain. Well, we, we, I mean, in true to form of what we do, we weren't just happy with yeast propagation. Mm-hmm. We do something called a high cell density fed batch propagation system. So okay. it's let's break that down a little bit. Sure, uh, sorry, sure. Yeah. It's like it's it's like when you make beer or you make any sort of fermented anything. By the end of the fermentation, you have like a cake of yeast at the bottom, right? And you can reuse that yeast a couple of times, mm-hmm. but it's not usually just yeast. There's a lot of crap in there as well, and you got to separate that out. You got to somehow figure out which yeast is good, which yeast is not. There's all these different techniques, like there's yeast washing with acid, and it gets, there's a lot. (laughs) To get to reuse all of it, yeah. Right. The problem is that the immobilized cell bioreactors that we designed Mm -hmm. use an enormous amount of yeast. Okay. So that sort of system wasn't going to work. Yeah. You get get sort of like a maximum amount of cell density in a a fermenter, Mm -hmm. and we needed about five times as much as that. Wow. So what we developed was this... It's, it's a fairly common process in industry, but it's not very common on a small scale. Mm-hmm. So we have a 20-liter bioreactor system. Okay. So very, very small. And it's capable of producing about 110 grams of dry yeast per liter every batch. Wow. Which, it, in comparison, making a batch of, of beer, just mm-hmm. homebrew, give it some easy conditions. So let's call it like a 5% alcohol okay. homebrew. Your maximum con- maximum concentration is going to be about twenty grams of yeast. Oh, jeez! So, so you're dealing with a <laughs> no, you know it's not quite an order of magnitude larger, yeah, but it's but damn it's, close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the how real, do you keep all the yeast happy? Then how do you keep that much of it crammed you together? Got it. And uh, yeah, so that's where the high cell density fed batch comes in. Okay. So what we do is we quite literally program our yeast by having a very strict feeding regimen, by changing their nutrients, mm-hmm. we can actually dictate how they develop, how they learn to eat, how they learn to express. Mm-hmm. So our system is annoying as hell to operate. It's about, <laughs> it's about a 40-hour process okay. from cleaning and prepping the equipment to harvesting and centrifuging and storing the yeast. Yeah. Is is that the machine in your in your laboratory yeah, that, yeah. that has uh, that looks like it's from an old James Bond movie, uh, <laughs> complete with German writing yeah, and that's, everything that's, on it? That's is Werner. That, that's that's Werner. Werner, the highest cell density yeast propagator, <laughs> which is why we call him Werner. It's a lot easier. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, that system, it's it's actually it's a really good example of one of our core philosophies, which mm-hmm. is only build the things that we have to. Okay. We could not buy this yeast fresh. Not Just, no way, not no how. 
I called up the company that we get the, uh, we start with a pure strain from mm-hmm. a company. Okay. And then we propagate from there. Yep. And I was like, hey, could I get like, I don't know, two kilos every three months? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, you, can, you can get 270 gallons right. of fresh yeast and it'll be, you know, this much money. And I'm just like, no, it doesn't don't work that, that way. No, that's not <laughs> no. going to work. We won't go through that in like 10 years. Yeah, right. Okay. Doesn't so, store well. Does yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't store, store well, well at no, all. Yeah. So, and you didn't want to do dry. So, yeah. Well, we couldn't. Yeah. We couldn't. Uh, the the immobilization process doesn't work well with dry yeast. Okay. Doesn't so work it has well to at all. Be, so you're basically buying ones and zeros and then programming it yourself. We're, we're, on, yeah. yeah, or we're starting with a uh, base code mm-hmm. and we're adding our own custom sort of plugins to it. I see. And the result is a yeast that has a fantastic flavor profile. Mm-hmm. It also ferments very quickly. Yeah. So we ferment 14% alcohol here, which oh, is a really? little, little unusual for a distillery. Yeah. And we do that in 24 hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> And how do you, what witchcraft do you use to do that? Is it's, that just, it's that's all just your process? Yeah, yeah, it's just biologically? It's all biologically. <laughs> and the, the idea is that by understanding the biological process, mm-hmm. uh, making that a half a percentage more efficient. Okay. Now that once you have all your equipment in, mm-hmm. if you've made your biological process a half a percent more efficient, okay. you have a half a percent more production at no capital increase. Wow. So we're very into the biology of things, mm-hmm. which isn't often talked about in distilling. Especially not in craft. I mean, you, when yeah. you talk to the larger producers, they're all about finding that half percent increase sure. because when you're making six million <laughs> gallons of uh, craft <laughs> alcohol, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, 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 that half percent can mean that you're between another eight-hour shift or not. But yeah. for you guys to be thinking about it, such minute details on such a small scale, mm-hmm. it really is incredible. So you had to fabricate a lot of your own equipment then in order to achieve all of this Zach, maybe is, can you talk about that I, I know i noticed in the back you have a like machine presses and i mean i can't even describe all that what 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 is all the heavy machinery in the back you know you, your still is very unusual for example is that all a custom design can you, can you kind of talk about that yeah it's all a custom design where both of our stills are working from principles that exist in other industries and other fields and are out there and being being used And the problem is that nothing exists at the intersection of scale and price Mm -hmm. that we could either there's, it's either a hundred times more volume and more production capacity than we could ever use, or it's a hundred times more expensive than we could possibly afford. And quality, I might add, Mm -hmm. scale, price and quality and specifically efficiency also Mm -hmm. that the, there's only two of you. So obviously that half, (laughs) (laughs) that half percent raise in efficiency means maybe an extra 15 minutes of sleep. Don't forget about the cat and the cat. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so there's there's three of you, and <laughs> so right, so so when when you, when you talk about that half percent increase, you talk about size, scale, and efficiency, and all that, and quality, and it it, it cuts down the number of steps that you two have to be responsible for. Am I am I right in making that assumption, or no? Okay. Sometimes it actually adds steps, really, and and making sure that things actually are perfect or as close as we can make them. Mm-hmm. Let's just say the thirty step blending process might not exist anywhere else for a reason. Okay. <laughs> But it's well, the, you're talking it's, about your scalability on that uh, concept, but uh, actually, yeah. it's it's very scalable. Yeah. So I mean, Zach can talk more about the new machines we're building. Yeah. But on the blending side, that'll never change. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to. The bottles just get bigger. Okay. But because you you figured it out, the science. It's just sure. science. Um, well, just because the size gets larger doesn't mean that it's a different form of alcohol that's coming out at a different time. Well, that's why you have to do everything. Mark one eyeball. You got to mm-hmm. taste it. You have to smell it. You have to. I mean, alcohols actually have a different texture as you consume them. Yeah. So it's pretty, it seems to me pretty simple. Okay. If I'm drinking something that doesn't taste good, I'm not going to put it in my vodka. (laughs) X. X. No bottle three. You know, it's like. (laughs) Yeah. And that it comes back around to humans being really good at detecting chemicals. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially Dave is our gas chromatograph for uh, for that setup. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Is on your business? That's that's that word on the business card. Yeah. I didn't Mm -hmm. recognize Uh, gas chromatograph. Human gas chromatograph. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you're, you're, I mean, so you're, you're still is. There's no copper here. There's no 30-plate, 500-foot column. Um, <laughs> it's all very small. It's all very clear. And it's all very packed with metal packing. What, what is it? You know, what, what are you doing differently 
you know, how is that different? You know, we've learned about how your yeast is different. How is your distilling method so different? What, what, what is all, what, 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 why do, why do your stills look like this? <laughs> I mean, again, there's probably more differences in our distilling method to, uh, to traditional methods than there are similarities. Mm -hmm. We're using a, a packed fractional column batch fractional column for this, the uh, final distillation. Okay. And it's got a glass shell. It lets mm -hmm. us see what's going on, and it's 400 times a better insulator than copper. Wow. So and that's just the glass itself? That's just it? the, the properties of the materials. Mm -hmm. Copper is fantastic for a lot of things. It's beautiful. It's easy to work. It's also a fantastic transmitter of heat. Mm. So copper still becomes a great space heater. Right. And if you're trying to distill alcohol and keep the work that you're doing in the column, in the column, then it makes sense to make it out of an insulator or insulate it. Okay. And we've gone different directions with, with the stripping still and with the, the fractional still. Mm -hmm. But glass is a great trade-off between for prototypes. It lets us see what's going on okay. in the column, which is important because we're still figuring out exactly what the vapor dynamics are in the column, mm -hmm. especially as we scale up. But it also is a halfway decent insulator. So it's mm. better than nothing, not quite as good as putting an insulating blanket on it. But ideally, we'd like to insulate all our stills and keep the work where it belongs. Yeah. Fascinating. And so how did you learn then about glass versus copper as, as a theater tech background? I mean, where, <laughs> you know, I, I, maybe they teach you that in theater tech school. I don't know. But, you know, where did you learn to it's, do that? What, what, made, what, what made you want to kind of not just learn how to distill, but also get really into the science of it all and create a better system? I think part of it is honestly starting from not knowing much about the industry okay. and not feeling a need to build a giant copper still and also not having the equipment. Mm -hmm. My background's in machining and fabrication as well as set design. Okay. And so I leaned towards applying the skills that I already knew and had, mm -hmm. which were machining rather than sheet metal work. Mm -hmm. And so it's also, honestly, your initial expense on glass and stainless is a lot less than copper. The right. price of that has just skyrocketed and the facilities you need to manage it are, or to work it effectively are... There's a lot of infrastructure there. Mm -hmm. What we had with a sort of simple, I say simple, but it's an R&D shop. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> and the capabilities of that lend itself much more to this method of construction. Mm -hmm. so, 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 maybe, so starting then from not having a background in the industry, you didn't start with any kind of biases towards one product or one manufacturer. You're just, you wanted to distill. That's my fault. <laughs> okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> Expand on that. What do you mean it's your fault? So it's it's it, going back and talking about the sometimes the choices we make mm -hmm. actually expand our responsibilities rather than make them easier. <laughs> okay, I am sort of viciously in love with energy efficiency. Yeah, uh, maybe viciously. I don't actually no. That's not too strong mm -hmm. a word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's about uh, right. Yeah, that's pretty. It's yeah. So there there are, <laughs> there are decisions that we've made. That I'm sure when I like brought in the schematics and was trying to explain, no, this has actually happened. I'm, it's not maybe. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And a good example is our heat exchangers in our stripping still. Okay. We have a very specific design that has to do with the diameter of the coil, and this is it's it's a very simple thing. You would think that okay, maybe I'll make it two feet wide, mm -hmm. maybe I'll make it six inches wide. It doesn't matter. It just it has to be. You know, a coil. Yeah, it has know. to fit into the yeah. tank, and uh, and yeah. and I had to like I brought over, and I was like I was explaining like turbulence, and I was explaining vortices, and, and <laughs> all these things. And Zach's yeah. like, it, it just it just needs to be at a metal, Dave. Just, just, <laughs> just pick just a metal. Yeah. He, he, he transferred, Dave. Just don't complicate it. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that there is a difference. There's yeah. a huge difference. And it was only through building these prototypes and mm -hmm. figuring out just why that makes a difference. Okay, that. If there's a radical drop in efficiency at a certain flow rate, then you know that something empirically is going on. And if that matches, you know, the what I thought was a harebrained theory that Dave was bringing at the time, then yeah. there's probably something to it. Damn it, he was right. <laughs> it saves us, go it saves us 30 percent on our energy on the stripping still. Really? Just that design. Wow. So it's, it's just heat, gas that you aren't burning that is then just released into the air, or uh, it's actually we uh, use the uh, that you're running through. Or? It's the waste product yeah. from the stripping still. We so, use that to preheat the incoming material. Really? Yeah, but it's the way that we do it. Okay. So it's specifically yeah. this design that mm -hmm. allows us to do it without using pumps. Okay. It allows us to do it continuously. Wow. And you're uh, just using the pressure from the yeah. system itself mm -hmm. yeah. to keep it moving? Yeah. Yep. And it also, wow. uh, it uses 
We we can I can wax poetic about this system. <laughs> Please, uh, it's got it's got sixteen different temperature sensors. Oh, it's, oh my goodness! It's, yeah. yeah, but it's it's also a very simple concept mm-hmm. that could have been made even more simple by just doing it. Yeah, or we could just bang our heads against the wall and actually bang our heads together often, yeah. um, and be Sounds like, like it. Yeah, okay, we're, we're gonna make this crazy Fine. piece of shit. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> let's just stop arguing about it and do it. And yeah, let's see. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. There's a there's a, a there's a prototype of a prototype uh-huh. of a prototype sitting on a rack somewhere. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. No joke. I believe it. Just looking around here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of. You know, so you, you have a full machine shop, you have a full yeast propagation thing. It's like you have a, you have, you have, you have prototype stills, mm-hmm. you have uh, more prototypes in, 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 in <laughs> testing and design right now. And, you know, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that we are here in downtown Brooklyn, New York, Indeed. you know, not the um, square footage is at a premium, obviously, sure. um, good warehouse, you know, warehouse space is at a premium, um, just space in general. Uh, what, you know, can you kind of talk to me? What, what were the challenges you guys were kind of facing in coming to a, an, an urban facility like this, getting it started? We're not on the ground floor, which is very strange. We're on the sixth floor. Mm-hmm. You know, from an engineering perspective and all that. Uh, how, how, you know, kind of kind of walk me through what was the process of opening in a, in a in a heavy, heavily populated area like this, and then to be able to have this kind of capability that you guys need to carry out all these ideas we took all the challenges yeah i know all you really, of them at the same time you really couldn't find one farm upstate or something with all the land that you could need well there, there's two there's two concepts to okay. industry city distillery mm-hmm. one is that it is a creator of alcohol the other thing is that it is actually the first major experiment of another company that we run called the City Foundry. And the idea of the City Foundry was to use science and art to improve small-scale manufacturing processes. Mm-hmm. So what we wanted to do, and you, you can see it here, we have, we have a huge space, but yeah. our, dis- our entire distillery is absolutely tiny. <laughs> And that's not going to change. Okay. So the rest of this is machine shops and laboratories and things of that nature. Yeah. And the idea is that one feeds off the other. The distillery becomes a first sort of a first step forward for the foundry to show what it can do. Okay. And therefore, hopefully, the distillery becomes a way to have a dialogue about hmm. things like space efficiency, energy efficiency, waste efficiency. We don't have a solid waste stream. Oh, really? None at all. Mm-hmm. I guess it explains no drains in the floor yeah, that I can see or anything. We have no solid yep. waste stream. Wow. We Where reuse, does it all go? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we have a liquid waste stream. Right, there. right. Yeah. Sure, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so in that in that sort of you know, vicious need for energy efficiency, mm-hmm. research is expensive. Research is incredibly expensive. So if you can create a product that benefits from all this research, sure. the, the, diff- the vodka, the technical reserve... And then use, hopefully, not just the profits from that, but also the notoriety of the project to talk about things. It's, it's a lot easier to talk to people about <laughs> vodka than high-efficiency <laughs> so heat high. exchangers. <laughs> or you can come, you can invite them over, yeah. and while they're, they're you know, trying the vodka, mm-hmm. then you can talk about high-efficiency heat <laughs> exchangers. <laughs> so the vodka gets them in the door. Yeah, and in, in the, some ways. Uh, yeah, in right. some ways. And so, you can talk about the larger ideas that you guys are developing yeah. here. Yeah. A, it opens the door to dialogue and it's a lot easier to show to talk about efficiency when it, you can point to exactly why it matters mm-hmm. especially in something that they're drinking and enjoying yeah. sure we are on the sixth floor and yeah. you're not going to see that i mean the immobilized cell bioreactors not only allow us to ferment 10 times faster mm-hmm. but remove all of the square footage necessary for those static fermenters yeah uh, so you don't just have 6,000 pounds of liquid sitting on the... Yeah, you, I mean, that's the question, right? <laughs> you, you can't have it here, could yeah. you? So, so yeah. all of our, our, our reactors are tiny. Mm-hmm. They're about 7 inches by 7 inches square by 6 feet tall. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> that's, that's, sorry, give me a second spatial. Yeah. And then to, just to put things in, in perspective, each one of those systems makes 1,000 bottles of vodka a month. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty. So then we're, uh, so I guess it's the finish. It's, it's only until it's sitting in a bottle, sitting on a pallet ready to go out that all that weight kind of catches up right. with you on some level. But as long yeah. as you keep it flowing, as long mm-hmm. as you, you keep up production. Yeah. That's fine. So the idea wasn't to make a boutique urban distillery. Yeah. The idea was to make an actually urban capable, actually urban sustainable mm-hmm. distillery as an example for small scale manufacturing in an urban environment. Wow. Okay. And so kind of what, 
where did that desire come from? How did you go from wet plate photography to uh, <laughs> and, 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 and theater technician, uh, and machine shoppers to uh, urban sustainability and rewriting the rules for what what what, what it means to be, I guess, green on uh, to use an overused term. It's it's yeah. it's a pretty overused term, but you know we'll but, go so with it. Where, where does that thank you so far? <laughs> it's just easier to use. Um, so where did that zeal come from? Then where where did that desire to build all of this come from for you guys? So the intermediary project was actually a foray into self-contained underwater ecosystem design. Okay. So I was building these large fish tanks. Oh, fish tank. Okay. Uh, but they, I was picturing biodome under the water. Or kind something. of. Yeah. yeah. So the idea oh, okay. though is to match the animal life to the plant life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and make a very low impact, very low energy, but absolutely gorgeous sort of display, yeah. uh, a mini ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And I got a little carried away, as, <laughs> as one does. And uh, I started actually supplementing the ecosystem with extra CO2 okay. uh, to grow the plants faster. I see. And, well, never really liking to do things easy. Mm-hmm. The easy way to do it is you buy welding gas, you sure. put a regulator Good, on it, and <laughs> simple, done. Um, you didn't do that, I'm going to no, no, I started okay, fermenting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. um, I started fermenting for the CO2, oh, which right. is not normally <laughs> yeah, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and what home, cra- what, cra- what home distiller didn't get, or home brewer didn't get started to make better underwater ecosystems? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the problem with that is that I now all of a sudden had a waste product. Mm-hmm. I had my nice, you know, pretty CO2, but now yeah. I had all this alcohol. Ugh. It's like, God damn it, now what do I do? What do you do with that? Yeah. So at the time, I was looking to start the city foundry. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to start the city foundry with the fish tanks and okay. uh, my friends were just like we're gonna have to have a little intervention session <laughs> yeah, here Dave. Hold on. <laughs> so maybe you should make alcohol yeah. mm-hmm. wouldn't that be a good yeah, idea you're already doing and i was it. like but but they're so pretty and they're like no you should make alcohol yeah. okay. <laughs> so that became this and i brought a number of different technologies to the project got some people involved and it's changed a lot like the way it started is not how it is now. Mm-hmm. Projects that started are not what they are now. Really, the amount of technology that was developed that I had never even seen before mm-hmm. is not what it is now. We, we've 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 cut and pasted and chopped up yeah. some of our ideas, and nothing really uh, nothing resembles the original project. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are clearly nimble enough, though, that you can kind of Extremely uh, make those pivots as you need to. It's fairly lightweight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just you, two of you and a cat. So yeah, it's two pretty, of us yeah. and a cat. <laughs> two of us and a cat. Is that a board of directors you have to get approval from? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. She's, she's, pretty, she's, she's pretty, pretty strict. <laughs> it's mostly the cat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a real stickler. So I guess, what was your... So then, so then, you know, with only two of you here to do that, you know, a lot of people talk about the how difficult the TTB process is and getting all your permits done. What, what I mean, I guess creating a high yeast fabricator and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe paperwork wasn't the hardest thing for you at that point. Did you have any issues with that? It's all just um, paperwork. Yeah, um, just follow the. Uh, I don't know why people complain and... about it. You know, since then we've put out another product. We've and it's just as long as you you do your homework, you file your things correctly, and you file them on time. Mm-hmm. It just you just have to wait. You just have to be patient. Okay. And, and then it works. Then it works. It's a lot harder to make alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. That it, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how do you... Um so how do you how do you promote your product then? Um, being just two of you and a cat, does the cat make all the cold calls to the Definitely. liquor stores? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. If you ever see a cat you know, strutting down the street with like a bottle <laughs> of vodka strapped vodka, to its back, yeah. that's, that's a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so 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 then how do you kind of get the word out then? So it is just two of you. Uh, what what kind of strategies are you employing? Truthfully, we have done absolutely no marketing so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not promoted the brand okay we haven't really gotten out there at all because yeah. for the past three years we've been not just making vodka but we've been making technology sure and that's kind of zach zach and i our strong suit is not in speaking mm-hmm. we make things so we're just now starting to get involved with the marketing aspect mm-hmm. and the uh the explaining just why we exist because right. we're not just another brand yeah and that's not something that you would you would get from our external experience <laughs> right. i mean there's no uh, five thousand drum tank of uh, gns waiting yeah, to be no, delivered up no. from downstairs or anything like that you right. guys are yeah so that's <laughs> a, right so yeah. we're i mean we are the only vodka made entirely in new york city mm-hmm. we're the only ones that are making making 
spirits on equipment that we made ourselves. Okay. And it's it's not something that's well known just because we're really not very good at talking about it. We're working on it. We're yeah, you were, I mean, it. this is great. And then and having been on your tour, you guys are very good at that, explaining your passion for your project. And, but I, you know, I understand that the vodka is really just a symbol of a bigger thing that you're trying to, yeah. to share. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do you, sorry, pardon the pun, how do you distill that down into an easy pitch for that? Love yeah. puns. Don't worry that, about that, it. Uh, we're, we're, audio editor will take care of that. <laughs> okay. So that's interesting. So, it's, 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 so now that you kind of have your product down, you have your methods down a little bit more now it's time to start thinking about mm-hmm. the marketing yeah. and that that's going to come a little bit later for you guys and um, sooner rather than later one yeah. would hope yeah. <laughs> right. we, we started with the idea that making a, a fantastic product was going to be half the battle mm-hmm. at least and figured that at some level that could speak for itself if we could make the best vodka in the world and yep. i think we have that that would be enough in and of itself to get the word out to people curious about how it was made what it mm-hmm. tasted like and why and it turns out that that's far less than half the battle in terms of public perception. Right. So, I mean, you, you kind of hit the of nail on the head before when you were saying there's no 5,000-gallon container of NGS waiting mm-hmm. downstairs for us. And um, that's difficult for us to talk about when we go out to an account mm-hmm. and we'll say, you know, here's our price point. And they'll go, ooh, but what Ooh. about, like... What about the Tito's? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, honestly, we spend more on our beet sugar than they spend on their alcohol. <laughs> okay. We will never be able to compete with Tito's. <laughs> I mean, right. there's no there's, a... there's no proof that Tito's has ever been distilled. Um, there's like You can mm-hmm. Google it. It's like Google Tito's stills. Right. <laughs> and the picture, there's actually a picture of a tank that says 12,000 gallons NGS. Right, going into No the, joke. No, okay. No, no like you can, <laughs> you can Google there. it. It's, it's there. It's yeah, like an insulated yeah. tank that says 12,000 gallons <laughs> high-proof alcohol. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, a, it's an awkward conversation right. and, and, and most people don't really understand what that means or what, you know, what, what I, I guess when you're going out there and trying to explain your product first, there's that education that has right. to happen to them, mm-hmm. you know, why you can't meet a, a certain price point that the large producers can, can meet and what they're doing from a price perspective that you guys mm-hmm. can't. And, 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 and why ultimately your methodology is though more expensive right. does lead to a better product. We only make about 1300 bottles a month right now. Wow. So we're a very small producer. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that some of our accounts don't, care that we're a little bit more expensive okay they're more than happy to deal with that Mm -hmm. and they they feel it makes a better experience for their customers we deal with a lot of restaurants actually specifically for this reason okay and it's great to hear it's great to see Mm -hmm. uh it's just not common It, it it says a lot about the restaurant when they're using a vodka that is several dollars more expensive wholesale yeah. than something like Tito's. Okay. It says it says a lot about the the level of quality that they believe in. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. it's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Well, so um I guess it's kind of a pivot then to kind of more of a practical discussion. You know, things like so so you you've designed your own stills, you designed your own yeast, you've designed your own yeast propagation. <laughs> um I'm looking at this uh Mechan- uh, this technical reserve label that how did you come up with that uh, I assume you guys didn't go out and hire an arts firm to, no. <laughs> to come up with a brand image for you just based on our discussion so where, where did that design come from because it's a really awesome design like kind of retro futuristic um, t- talk to me about that label design then what was kind of your creative process behind that uh, well, that was made entirely here. Was it really? Yeah. Um, all the design, all the pre-press, all of the um, the working with the label manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the copy. All the copy all the was, copy. yeah, all the copy. Zach and I hammered out the copy. We did it actually very quickly. Oh, really? We designed the whole mm-hmm. label in about three weeks. Okay. And wow. that includes going back and forth with printing quotes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it it's, cool. it was a it was a it was a quick process, but what we wanted was um, we wanted something that was the name is the name is pretty stark technical, <laughs> technical reserve. reserve right you exactly <laughs> nothing about that screams most alcohol you can get in a bottle anyway right <laughs> but that was kind of the point that was kind of the, that point. Kind of the yep. point so the the entire package was really important to us mm-hmm. right down to the cap 
Yeah, so, talk, talk, I, I like to. I, I'm kind of a nerd about this. Talking about your closure. <laughs> Sometimes people get like, "Why do you want to talk about quarks?" I don't know. I just think it's fascinating because it is all right. part of the package. Right. Um, mm-hmm. How did you design that, or how did you develop that? Uh, so there's a number of technical things on the bottle that I mean, like I said, we actually mm-hmm. like puns. We yeah. we will talk about the, the technical <laughs> aspects of our technical yeah, reserve. Technical reserve yeah. We're very technical. It's like about too it. technical. It's not really a pun in that, but whatever. Um, not so, technically. So there's a number of things on the bottle. There's one of the big things is that you'll see that it says density, mm-hmm. which is not something you usually see on a bottle. Yeah. And it was something that, you know, we worked at the TTB about because it's not normally something you usually see. Sure. And that's there specifically so that people that are trying to make their own formulations, their own bitters, their own tinctures, mm-hmm. they don't need to use a volumetric measurement. Okay. So they can use a scale, measure out oh. this many, you know, grams will mm-hmm. equal this many milliliters at this temperature. I see. So if oh, it's wow. a really hot day or a really cold day, it's still mm-hmm. the amount, the same amount of alcohol by okay. weight. By weight. And it's just, it was a convenient huh. thing as guys that work with very specific units of measurement. Mm-hmm. We wanted to bring that to the consumer. Okay. So that was, that was, that's, we wanted to incorporate that into the design. Yeah. The other thing is this little dude on the side. <laughs> what is that dude on the side? So, it's a series of dots. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. what does it look like to you? It looks like a molecule. It um, is. It and is. And, and the H and the C, so it's a hydrocarbon. But yeah. uh, I hope this ends the chemistry test portion. So, of so what's really, what yeah, we so thought. So, what is that dude? So, this is, this is, this is definitely where our, where us being giant dorks okay. will show. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's ethanol. Oh, that's the ethyl alcohol, uh, right. ethyl and molecule. M- yeah. Many people know this, but ethanol is known as the dog molecule. <laughs> because it looks like a poodle. It looks yeah. kind of like a poodle. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. So that's, that's the, we were just like, you know what? That's going to be our little mascot. Nice. Oh, little, that's awesome. Little, little, so I just want that on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ito. Ito. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the last bit of design that went into this that we were super dorking out about mm-hmm. is the cap. Yeah. And the cap doesn't look like anything special. But it is. It's a black plastic cap, it looks like. Uh, But the liner is made out of Teflon. Teflon? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you you look around it, you mean? (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of people have an association with Teflon being on nonstick pans. Mm -hmm. But Teflon is used in the scientific and chemical industries extensively. Oh, okay. Because it's it's the only plastic that's 100% inert for most processes. Okay. And when you're dealing with a product that you're trying to make it as neutral as possible, mm-hmm. as clean and clear as possible, we want to deal with zero extractables. All right. So it's it's funny there's a lot of research that's done yeah. on the effects of alcohol on plastics, mm-hmm. but there's very little research done on the effects of plastic on alcohol. Okay. So what right. comes out of the alcohol? I mean common materials like silicone are yeah. not are not recommended for high proof alcohol. Oh, interesting. Uh, but Why you see them all the time in these distilleries. Mm-hmm. If you just from look a up a gasket or a seal or something yeah. like that. If you yeah. look up a chemical compatibility chart, it mm-hmm. gets a D. Okay. Whoa. Huh. So in the case of this cap, it doesn't look like anything special, but it costs us as much as a custom made metal covered gargoyle cork. head gargoyle yeah, like, head with like <laughs> sure. like glowing beaded eyes and it's it's and it's, it's just a black cap but it's uh, just a black cap but you it's the the liner inside mm-hmm. it really uh, lends to the neutrality of the, sure. of the spirit mm-hmm. um, so then if you ever wanted to make your own bitters or tinctures mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you have the perfect bottle mm-hmm. to make even the most delicate extract huh. with okay um without w- that uh, subtle plastic yeah. uh, undertone and you'll, you, you can definitely notice that in some of the uh, especially corks mm-hmm. it's the reason why we don't use corks on anything okay if you're trying to make something that tastes like the something mm-hmm. rather than the thing that it was in okay uh, <laughs> sure. using a cork is a pretty bad pretty bad idea okay, yeah. <laughs> so how did you find a cat manufacturer then that was willing to work with you on teflon we had um, to get them made yeah it's actually it's a very small company out of uh, the midwest oh and they don't do caps for alcohol production yeah. so they we called them up and we're like hey we'd really like this and they're like why would you want that <laughs> um, but they worked with us this is the weirdest prank call yeah, I've yeah ever kind of <laughs> and it's just it it completes the entire concept of that product Mm -hmm. that product is as high proof as you can make it as neutral as it comes and packaged in a way that that will stay permanently wow so all right so all the way down to the cap the the other nice thing about it is it's highly cleanable so you can actually reuse the bottle for whatever else 
pretty oh. much anything will wipe off it with no flavor yeah. left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so okay. it'll it'll continue its working life long after that uh, that spirit's been used. Yeah, yeah, we we use Teflon in almost all of our bitters making jars and stuff oh, yeah? like that, and it's it doesn't look like anything special, mm-hmm. but it is. Huh. It's, it costs way more. It's not often that you find people that will make it for you, mm-hmm. but if you can, you should. If yeah. you're interested in making bitters and tinctures, invest in some cap Teflon caps. It's okay. going to cost way less than the cost of your ingredients, so, so might as well do it once. Right. <laughs> so, and, yeah, it'll last. Uh, yeah, yeah, amazing. So, yeah. yeah, we learned a little bit of something extra, too, not just about distilling. <laughs> we try. We try. Yeah. That's why, <laughs> our, that's why yeah. our tour is an hour and a half long. <laughs> but it's a great one. <laughs> so, I guess... What is kind of your taste-making process then? I, I know you talk about, you know, you are the, uh, the, the human. Humans are the best sensors for chemicals and what tastes as just humans. right. As for humans. humans. Right, for humans, right, right, exactly. And the cat is here for your cat market. Yeah, and, well. Um, yeah. So, uh, what, so, so, but how do you know that? How, how did you know that your, your mash bill is correct? How did you know that the blend is right for it to actually go into a bottle and for you to put your label on it, for it to actually go out to market. We now, didn't. Did you have a process for that? Did you have a whole bunch of friends who came over and said, no, this is the right blend? Or? Exactly. Yeah. Um, what, so, what was that kind of like? Um, I'm always I'm fascinated by that. How do you get? <laughs> how, how do you determine that this is the flavor that you want to represent your brand? We don't have a master distiller. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at all of our business cards, sorry, our two business yeah, okay. cards. <laughs> so many uh, of them. Nowhere <laughs> on it does it say like master distiller, master blender. Two, three years ago, we like I was building fish tanks, and Zach was building was building uh, armatures upstate. Yeah, and like for you to go in a couple years and become a master at anything mm-hmm. just sort of goes against our grain. Okay. So what we instead decided on was to ask the people that know best, mm-hmm. drinkers. Hmm. Uh, so yeah oh my god <laughs> go there huh? what a, what a sure. thought uh, you'll tell them what to drink so that's what we did and yeah. there's an interesting we did a number of test batches mm-hmm. and would ask people what they thought okay and it was interesting what we get back some people were unhappy with it because it's too smooth really yeah could you make it burn a little bit uh, yeah, more? No really? joke. You they were, they, they okay. didn't get enough burn out of it. And I was like, okay, well, okay. I, I like the no burn, so <laughs> yeah. but thank you for the but feedback. Thank you for the feedback. Yeah. First, now let's um, talk about what you're drinking. <laughs> some people yeah. thought it was a little too sweet. Okay. So we actually did turn down the sweetness. Mm-hmm. And because of the 30-cut blending process, yeah. we can do that. Huh. Uh, you could say a little bit less of bottle 15, yeah, for example. Yeah. Well, actually, 15 is a weird bottle. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. That uh, should so, be the, the, the heart of your hearts right there, right? And that's um, the, that is the ultimate irony of this process. Yeah. It really is. So if you think of heads, hearts, and tails as being the be-all and end-all of making alcohol, mm-hmm. you're basically just trimming off the front and the back each time. Right. Trying to get to the center more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So if we take a 30-cut process, yeah. bottle 15 should be its own product. It should be. It like, should be the product. It should yeah. be the hearts of the hearts of the hearts of the <laughs> right. hearts, and we should bottle it for like six hundred dollars. Um, we throw it out every time. Uh, wow. Yeah. Really. It never makes it into any batch. Hmm. And why is that? It why, tastes um... awful. <laughs> there is one, and it's the only bottle there. Yeah. Sometimes it's bottle fourteen. Sometimes it's bottle sixteen, which right. is why we have to taste. Okay. But it's um, kind of right there, right in the middle. It's of... right mm-hmm. there, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of hmm. binary compound, ternary compound. That only exists in that region. Yeah. That just tastes awful. Interesting. <laughs> so it's something that if we weren't huh. doing this process, we could never remove. Right. And we actually, we, we attribute it to that like guttural sinking to your toes burn. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should bottle it by maybe itself and give it to those friends of ours. That, <laughs> if you're just throwing it out, I'll take it off yeah. your hands. And, <laughs> well, yeah. that, that said, nothing goes to waste here. Oh, um, so, the, so it's not literally thrown out. No, no, the, not at all. It's like, removed from the final product. Right. But mm-hmm. Then what do you do with um, that? I use it in the bio lab for sterilizer. Uh, we cook on it. Oh. <laughs> uh, we have really? a, yeah, we, we cook three meals a day on the, on an alcohol stove. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I use it in the shop as solvent. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I guess it works. Yeah. It's pure. Um, it's ethanol. It's just, it's just pure ethanol, right? So it's oh, we, we, we buying from a scientific store or something? Uh, uh, in some, I mean, we can't. We, we, I look forward to getting the results back on it, getting it analyzed. Hmm. But in the beginning when we were, we were doing this, we actually wanted to make another side product that was the alcohol we didn't use and sell it as solvent, as like artist solvent. Yeah. It'd be a non-petroleum alternative to solvents. Mm-hmm. And we sent it out to a lab, had it analyzed, and it came back as potable. Oh, <laughs> it's a nice Oops. healthy Oops. mix of what would be considered the heads, heart, the heads and tails, yeah, well, some of the hearts, and yeah, yeah, it's all but, drinkable huh. because of our fermentation process. We have very little methanol. Yeah, we have very little high and low alcohols. 
We have very little isopropanol. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> all of these things were in this sort of residue that we made. Yeah. But it was still too low. Too, it was considered potable really? by the U.S. government. Oh, gosh. So, so then, <laughs> just to take that to the end, um, <laughs> because it's potable, it has to be sold as a, yep, yeah, it has to be sold it. in a liquor store. So it has to be of, treated just like, yeah. It, we didn't right. want to, I mean, we could add gasoline yeah, like to so it you or could something. Add yeah, to and it that or, just yeah, defeated the that purpose. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, fine, we're gonna, fine, we're gonna um, <laughs> just use it around. Trust here. me, there's no lab in the world that would turn down an unlimited supply yeah. of like lab grade alcohol at any time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's great. It's just like, okay, huh. I'm going to wash down my services. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's all sterile. Yeah. Now, yeah. And drink a little. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. So then how did you guys, um, give, you know, you, you, you've picked a special cap for your silica, uh, for, for your, um, for your enclosures. You've, you know, you, you, you pick a special kind of yeast. You went through a whole bunch of stuff. You know, how did you pick your, your, your sugar beet? provider mm. for you know how did how did how did you how did you deter, like because that is the base of everything that you're sure. making here i would imagine that that was quite a journey for you then to find them how did you Not how did really. you pick that person uh, so that what, what, what's interesting is that the sugar beets pay, pay almost no part in the vodka huh the sugar beet that we we don't buy sugar beets we buy beet sugar oh you buy beet sugar and okay. there's a reason for i mean that's why it's 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 that's mm-hmm. on the bottle and the reason for that is that we wanted to have a zero solid waste stream yeah. In New York City, you can't bring in bulk commodity and dispose of it. Mm-hmm. There's no biodigesters here. There's no compost piles big enough to handle tons of sugar the beet tons waste. Of beets that you'd be yeah, right. spent beet. So we went with we went with beet sugar because mm-hmm. it's far more efficient at using the land than cane. Okay. So that was that was a that was a choice that we made based purely on efficiency. Mm-hmm. But, Going back to that uh, theme, you right. know, how do you, sustainability exactly. and efficiency? Yeah, believe it or not, cane sugar and beet sugar are identical. Hmm. Cane sucrose and beet sucrose. Really, from uh, a chemical. From a chemical. Yeah. Well, what's interesting mm-hmm. is that the the molecules are actually flipped. Oh, so okay. they're the same molecule <laughs> that look mirror image. mirrored, imaged, yeah. but they're the exact same molecule. There's actually a contest, not a contest, but uh, there's there's a stigma against beet sugar as cane being superior. Mm-hmm. So the French Culinary Institute did a sort of like a bake-off oh. many years ago with, with beet sugar versus cane, and the yeah. result was it's exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> so it was, okay. it's, yeah, it's... It's it, it's not what the corn sugar council is saying. <laughs> the, uh, cane sugar, yeah. <laughs> so in, in, in our case, yeah. um, going with the beets isn't nearly as important as going with the yeast. Hmm. If we found a more efficient sugar source, yeah. we would switch that up maybe. Okay. Because the flavor doesn't come from the sugar beets. Right. It's coming from your fermentation right. system. Okay. Right. Hmm. We we like the sugar beets. We like how they're grown. We're just not not entirely married to them. All right. if, if, <laughs> gotcha. You know. So kind of kind of switching gears now again. You guys have been open for what two years? Is that how long? Um, uh, the, well, we, Industry we've been, City's been we've open. been we've been building machines for almost three. Okay, but the vodka has only been out for about a year. Yeah. Okay. So, so in, in that year, then, since it's been on the market, and in the three years that you've been building machinery, you know, what what kind of looking back a little bit, what's been your proudest professional moment so far? If you if you, if you can kind of take any any moment of reflection and just kind of think about, you know, you've been putting all this hard work in. When, when has been that great aha moment for you that, like, this is actually working? Have you had it yet? Or is it too early for you to kind of think of a, a moment like it's that? It's still kind of early. It's been mm-hmm. a very long journey. And yeah. because we, we don't have a business background, no nobody we partnered with had a business background. Mm-hmm. It's been a interesting sort of uphill climb in terms of developing a liquor brand yeah. simultaneous to developing a research and development facility <laughs> and trying to balance the responsibilities of both. Okay. There's some fantastic moments where we had somebody come in on a tour last week yeah. that was super excited to be here because she can finally drink vodka. Hmm. Uh, she was telling us that she was a Russian standard drinker. Yeah. And then something happened with that and she can't drink it anymore. Whoa. She was opening it up and she's like, Oh God, it smells like <laughs> rubbing alcohol. <laughs> and then a friend of hers was like, well, you should, you should try this. Mm-hmm. She was just blown away. Yeah. So blown away that she came on the tour and was just like, <laughs> you have to show me. Yeah. Why is this? I can't drink other vodkas. Why? Why? <laughs> and then, you know, showing them just what goes into it mm-hmm. and, 
They come in not knowing what to expect because there's no big shiny copper things right. and there's not like a hand-hewn sign at the door. Mm-hmm. We don't use words like small batch and artisanal. So people don't know quite what to expect when they walk in. Okay. And they always walk out with a smile or just like an open mm. grin. Just yeah. like, what the hell just happened? I need a drink. <laughs> yeah, I need a drink. Um, or can so, I get an industry standard? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's been great. Yeah, that's, that's really been cool. really great. All right, that's great. So it sounds like you do have a very great accomplishment. Sure. And you really, I mean, on a one-to-one basis, you are changing kind of people's perspective yeah. and people's minds. I guess the aha this, moment yeah. might come when, when we get a day off. Okay. <laughs> that hasn't happened in three years. Oh, man. <laughs> They're great. Just trust me, days off are fantastic. <laughs> no. yeah. Looking for a fight, is that it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this has been going way too well. I really want to know. <laughs> so has, um, has owning a distillery then kind of changed the way you approach bars or restaurants or, or how you now go into bars and how you consume things um, now that you're on the production side of the industry? It definitely has. And yeah, it's interesting. I, as somebody who came here from Providence, didn't really wasn't really familiar with New York mm-hmm. society nightlife. It's interesting to have a place and to yeah. have a job when you go into a bar and look at it through that lens. Okay, and it's it's got its ups and its downs. It means that you're kind of always working. Okay, right. But at the same time, it's a really interesting, different perspective on that, both socially, culturally, and mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, the networks you're creating and the, uh, the people there. Very cool. And it's a great, it's a good scene in New York. It's one that, as as Dave said, and as we've said, we've been focused on developing the equipment, developing the, the vodka itself, mm-hmm. and not as much on the brand, the presence, ourselves as as figures, nominal figures in the liquor world in New York, whatever that might mean. Yeah. And that's, it's an exciting thing to be switching over to. Hmm. Very cool. As we're building equipment that gives us a bit more free time, hmm. hopefully. And, and so uh, my last question I just want to ask you guys is, um, what, what, what is the one way that ever, someone gets their hand on industry standard or technical reserve? Well, let's talk with industry standard, the vodka first. Okay. What's the best way to, that, that a person should really enjoy it? Um, is there a mixed drink you guys like to recommend? Do you like it on ice? Do you, really simple. Yep. Any way you want. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, we, you can't go wrong with it as long well, as it's in the glass. We yeah. designed it as a vodka that can be enjoyed by itself, mm-hmm. but we're not going to be those assholes that say you must drink it only in this one <laughs> glass and only yeah. if it's this one thing. And one and, ice cube. Only yeah. Of yeah. One inch diameter. You no know? way. Okay. It's it's we've we we we've had it all different ways, mm-hmm. and we we have a couple of cocktails that we make. They're fairly unusual because yeah, we're not cocktail professionals. <laughs> okay. um, Can you share one then? What's one of the unprofessional cocktails uh, uh, for the MCC this year? The Manhattan Cocktail Classic. Okay. We developed a cocktail called the Celery Stalker, uh, Sunset Stalker. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's, it's. I was it's reading a, about the newspaper. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. Because uh, we're, we're in the Sunset Park neighborhood of yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, it's a celery based drink, and it's basically just juiced celery, okay. uh, expeller pressed juiced celery mm-hmm. with a little bit of anise in it. And then one to one almost with vodka and a hmm. little bit of little like the tiniest dash of soda water yeah and ice all right done that sounds amazing it was yeah, it, very uh, it was it was yeah. it was in uh, somebody picked it up in one of the magazines as like the G- best GQ maybe actually yeah maybe GQ oh wow the, okay. well it was like it was it was funny though best use of vegetables oh. <laughs> in, a, in a cocktail in a cocktail okay but that's you know <laughs> God, we don't have to eat them anymore they're yeah. not best to drink them <laughs> I mean we're 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 kind of unusual in that respect mm-hmm. where it's because possibly because we don't come from the industry, yeah, we look at it in a very different way. Okay, we tend to go not just how, but why. Mm-hmm. Why did that happen? Which takes you in all kinds of different directions. Sure. When you start questioning the why, it starts to invoke the process, and if mm-hmm. you start to invoke the process, that brings more questions, <laughs> and then you might you might arrive at a conclusion you never experienced before like i specifically made the celery stalker yeah sunset stalker i keep i keep saying my own name the drink of my own (laughs) drink wrong because it has so much mineral in it huh and i'm fascinated by the minerality of the water used in beverages so it it was my way of that that's what it was my segue Mm -hmm. me playing around with minerals and alcohol (laughs) 
turned into me making a cocktail based entirely on a plant. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Even in the cocktail mm-hmm. glass, you're creating your own biodome, yeah, so to speak, little right? Yeah, a little bit. And it's that sort of like rabid experimentation mm-hmm. to the point of detriment that definitely is the common, most common vein for this entire experiment. Hmm. So, and where can people find your experiment? Then, um, where, where where are you guys located? Um, where, if someone wanted to come out and find a bottle, almost exclusively um, in New York City. Okay, but we have a we have you're, a you're, store finder on our website. You have a store finder on your yeah, website. And what so, is your website? Uh, drinkicd.com. Okay, uh, and then Technical Reserve has its own because Technical Reserve is so new. Mm-hmm. We made a brand new website for it that's oh. going to be not just about the product mm-hmm. but also how to use it mm-hmm. and not just in terms of recipes there's there's an article up on there about density okay. explaining what density is sure. and how to use it we're going to explain things like polar versus non-polar molecules and how mm-hmm. that relates to making bitters wow so that's technicalreserve.com okay and uh, we're going to keep adding to that and that also has a store finder but it's not just a store finder it's also a record of all of the restaurants and bars that pick it up oh right because technical reserve isn't a product that you put on a bar sure <laughs> it's a product that you use to make something with mm-hmm. so if they're up on our store finder it means that they're doing something really cool huh. so they're actually making it for a tincture or they're, uh, mm-hmm. or yeah. they're making yeah or they're making a customized Flavor. something mm-hmm. which is which is interesting to see it's interesting to see who's been buying technical yeah. reserve and those are the cocktails I want to try. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of places are ones that would not usually ever touch vodka. So it's, oh, really? been, a, it's been nice for us on that side as Amazing. well. Amazing. And, yeah. and so uh, not, not to prolong this discussion too long, but I mean, so that really is a great sign of just word of mouth then kind yeah. of. Uh, it's almost entirely word of mouth. There. Word of yeah. cat. Word of cat, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that cat is getting a nice bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She gets An extra some... can of nine limes. Yeah, or pretty yeah. much. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She's a whiskers girl. <laughs> gets all the scratching posts she could ever want <laughs> right here. That, 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 that looking... giant log over there yeah. is actually the <laughs> that, scratching that post. That is the scratching post. Okay. That explains why it's there. Yeah. It's so scratched. Yeah. yeah. Well, I must be working hard. All right. Well, Zach, David, thank you guys so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for discussing your product with me. You're welcome. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.